1: Talk is about to begin. Hey, 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 come on in.
2: Welcome back to Buckeye Talk before we get into the real pod, Doug Le Maurice here. Just with a quick interjection, Stephen, Nathan, and I recorded before all the news came out about reported COVID tests for Ohio State. So Friday morning at 10 a.m. is when Ohio State typically releases the availability report for the game on Saturday, so we're expecting at 10 a.m. we'll get some indication of what is happening. And from our reporting and reporting many other places, there certainly seems to be a widespread belief that there are some number of positive COVID cases in the Ohio State team. Also, so far from what we've reported and what we've heard, game's still on track. So this is a preview of the Illinois game without sort of taking any of the who may or may not be available because of COVID into account. Again, you know we saw on Ohio State's social media account, you know Justin Fields is out there at practice, and Josh Myers is out there at practice, and so I mean, main thing is Justin Fields. So they have a healthy Justin Fields. Almost anybody else, I don't know that how uh, no matter no matter how good an Ohio State player is, would his absence greatly impact the Illinois game. So we have the regular picks preview pod with breaking down Illinois, with talking about how this is supposed to be Michigan week, with talking about the Minnesota-Wisconsin game that's canceled. I think as I'm talking here, 15 games for this weekend around the country postponed or canceled. So we know what we're dealing with. Just want you guys to know where we stand. And then the tech subscribers, as soon as we know anything, we'll get it to you. And you can also read cleveland.com slash OSU on Friday. Just keep checking in on Friday. Nathan will be on top of all the news there. We'll certainly be reacting to what news we do have, but still enjoy, sort of regardless, you know, we're talking football on this podcast, but I just want to make sure you guys, you know, aren't expecting some huge COVID update, um, because we want to get you this early Friday so you can get ready for the game, and we know the game probably to some effect, and I guess there's some chance, I don't know, you might be listening to this and there's some chance that the game's off by the time you hear this. That's not my expectation at the moment, that's not what the reporting says at the moment, but we know what the deal is with COVID. So hope everybody had a good Thanksgiving. Thanks to you guys for bearing with us. We'll bring you the most up-to-date information that we can at cleveland.com/osu, and certainly uh, straight into your phone for tech subscribers. All right, get ready. I'll give you. You're gonna hear the regular intro, intro, because you hear my enthusiastic voice. And hey, everybody's excited. So that's coming right now. Thanks for listening to Buckeye Talk. Welcome back to Buckeye Talk, your Friday picks and preview pod for the Ohio State Buckeyes versus the Eli- Eli and I Fighting Illinoisians. On Saturday at noon, it's about a 30-point spread. We'll talk about that. We're going to make our picks for Ohio State-Illinois. Two other Big Ten games that we're going to pick this week. A little other chatter, but both you guys, Doug Marie, Stephen Means, Nathan Baird, both you guys got shafted by the refs last week. I didn't realize when... Jeff Braum was getting it stuck to him. Stephen Means and Nathan Baird were also getting it stuck to them. Both you guys, as a result, went one and two last week. I went three and oh. Were either of you guys watching that game on Friday night, Minnesota, Purdue? Were you watching it live knowing that your fake money slash professional reputations were on the line in that game?
1: I wasn't watching it really with the betting line in mind. I was watching it just as someone who has to watch Big Ten football games. Um, And also, I thought it was going to be kind of an interesting game, and it turned out to be one. But um, I I think uh, as much as we got shafted, I think it pales in comparison to how much Purdue got shafted that night. We didn't really talk about it that much on Madness, just how uh, astonishingly bad of a call that was.
0: Yeah, I wasn't watching either. Um, Well, I wasn't watching because I was watching Jaden Ballard lose his third straight state championship game. And so when I was driving back, I just happened to see everybody's reaction on Twitter.
2: I was there not. This is like a this is like a nine day old discussion at this point. We're right on top of the breaking news here on Buckeye Talk. Was there not a look where the where the Purdue guy did have his arm extended at some point, and was there like an overhead look, and maybe it was not zero percent justifiable? It might have yes. been twenty percent justifiable.
1: It was there was like grainy overhead footage like. Um, still like freeze frames of Pruder film stuff that you could see a guy. He did have his arm out. Now, how much did he push off? How much like it's hard to tell. That was, I think, the thing that bothered people the most was that if you're going to I don't know, every, people have different opinions on this, right? It's like, do you swallow the whistle or do you call it that way all the time? But I think actually the people's point was the way that play unfolded in real time would was that same official calling that same contact a flag? every single time it happened and i I think the people's argument was like no that 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 this is almost an outlier call that you would make at especially at that stage of the game
2: so that was on what would have been a game-winning touchdown pass for purdue you guys both had purdue minus two and a half over minnesota so you took the l's there nathan also had wisconsin minus seven over northwestern for a loss steven had the ohio state giving the points that was a loss Nathan won on Ohio state and Steven won Iowa minus two and a half over Penn state, which again, some of these games, I mean, it's like if you get on the right side of this, for instance, like betting against Penn state, I think has been a very successful thing much of this year. I went three and Oh, I had Indiana. I had Northwestern over Wisconsin. I had Illinois over Nebraska, which Nathan, I thought for a second that you also had that because we talked about it, but I think you didn't actually pick it. You just kind of agreed with it. The idea that let's take, Nebraska's given 15 and a half to anybody. So the overall records for the season Stephen 11 and four. I'm 10 and five. Nathan 7 7 and one. So mm. we're going to get to our picks. I want to talk a little bit about a game that's not being played, which is Minnesota Wisconsin. This is the third time that Wisconsin is going to have a game canceled and by the Big Ten bylaws, basically, unless the rest of the Big Ten season goes wacky and everybody has a bunch of games canceled. This is making Wisconsin ineligible for the Big Ten championship game. They lost two games because of their own COVID test within their program. Now, this game is because of Minnesota COVID tests. Minnesota is the team that is canceling on Wisconsin. The result is that this is canceling canceling on Wisconsin. Third game they're missing. And the Big Ten said before the year, you got to play at least six. To be eligible, six of the eight to be eligible for the Big Ten championship game. Because Wisconsin lost to Northwestern last week, this is less of a big deal because Northwestern now has the tiebreaker edge on Wisconsin. Northwestern would have to lose twice to get Wisconsin back in the mix here. But if Wisconsin had beaten Northwestern last week, and if, if Wisconsin was feeling like they were a a borderline playoff contender, this would be a gigantic deal. Nathan, the idea that the big 10 came up with this, was it just, is this a good rule that, Hey man, you got to play. You got to play at least six. You can't be put in a team with five, five games in the big 10 championship. Does that make sense? Sort of regardless how it winds up being executed and, and put to use. Did it make sense in theory?
1: And just to clarify, the, the full rule is it's six unless the average number of games played by every team falls to a certain point. It's two less than whatever that average is. So which if, is, if the- right,
2: which is but this is the catas- catastrophe scenario that the whole season's wackadoo. So nobody, it's like nobody could qualify then. But we're not going to have that.
1: Well, no, but I mean, like if the average number of games played just fell from eight to seven then five would be the new minimum. So they wouldn't be that far. It's it's, But you're right. It's probably not going to end up applying here. Um, I understand why they felt like, I guess, the need to have some kind of a standard. Um, I think what's unfortunate is there's no differentiation between – So this will be the third game Wisconsin has missed. The first two, and I'm I'm hesitant to use this word, but using it just in this context, the first two were their fault. I'm using air quotes there. Like their own COVID outbreak caused the cancellation of those first two games. This one, though, is caused by a COVID outbreak at Minnesota. They don't have any control over whether or not they're playing this game on Saturday, and they don't have any other mechanism to make it up unless there's another cancellation within the conference. So that's what I think is tough about the rule, is that it's if you could – what if you – it's one thing if you don't manage – again, I hesitate to use the word. I'm not trying to victim shame here. But, like, if you don't manage it well or you have bad luck and your own COVID outbreak caused you to miss games, that's one thing. But if you're just really unlucky and you happen to keep playing teams that have to cancel games, then I guess that's where that second rule would come in because at that point it's so widespread that maybe the number of games would drop and you'd be able to qualify with a lesser number. But that's what I think is tough about the rule. Is it doesn't have a mechanism to, um, to protect teams who aren't having games canceled – that are having games canceled because of other people's problems.
2: I had said along the way, if, for instance, Ohio state had the Maryland game canceled because of Maryland. And then that last week, Indiana would have canceled because of Indiana. And now this week, Illinois canceled because of Illinois. Let's say they weren't going to keep Ohio state out of the big 10 championship game that like, I think they would have like revisited it and been like, what are we doing? Steven, do you think there should be a differentiation in, in evaluating this between what happens in your own program, and what happens when you're ready to play and the other team that you're scheduled against can't play.
0: I do, especially – I mean, when Ohio State's game got canceled, there was also another Big Ten game that got canceled, I believe. So there's – right there, that would have solved your issue. But
2: I do – There there wasn't another Big Ten game that week that was canceled. Or they would have played them. That was the only Big Ten game Yeah, you're right. You're right. You're
0: right. You're right. That was a week before. That was a week before. I I, I do think that – yeah, because you can only control what parts of this you can control. I mean, we're in a pandemic right now. And so they, just, they shouldn't penalize you for – they should penalize Wisconsin for the first two because that's on them. This one is not – this one should not – in the, in a, in this situation, it shouldn't count against them because it's not their fault. They were ready to play. They they did everything they needed to do to be able to play, play on Saturday. This is on Minnesota. So this shouldn't count
2: towards that number, especially if they were still undefeated. I don't think they should have done it. I'm not sure why they did like, do you think it's invalid if you don't play as many games? Because if you're saying like, well, it's not fair, honestly, if you if your argument is, well, it's not fair because Wisconsin didn't play as many games as Northwestern. They didn't have as many opportunities to lose. They didn't put themselves on the line regardless of whose fault it was. It's not fair for a team with several fewer games to be eligible to play in a championship if that's your thinking watch out because you do not want the college football playoff applying that thinking to big 10 teams who are playing three or four fewer games than acc teams or sec teams like if that is where your theory is coming from you are on the verge of invalidating your conference's own season because you're saying there's a threshold of a number of games and it's not even like well you have to, if, as long as you play half as many you're saying hey. You know, you got to play at least two thirds. I don't know. I thought it was weird because you well, you're, it's kind of out of your control. Even you could argue the outbreak within your own program to some degree is out of your control. And I don't know what percent. It's one of these things. I kind of think that, like, when LSU, if LSU gets COVID, I'm like, well, that's Coach O. Like, I blame LSU. But I don't know that I blame Wisconsin. Or I don't know that I blame Minnesota. Or I don't know that I blame Maryland. Right. That, like, is it? Okay, Ohio State, congratulations. Ohio State deserves credit because Ohio State hasn't had to cancel a game because of its own COVID tests. But does that actually mean that Ohio State's doing a better job than Maryland and Ohio State's doing a better job than Minnesota or Wisconsin? Or do they just get a little luckier? Because they're all applying the same conference protocols. I think within a conference, across conferences, if your conference protocols are different, then I think there's some, whatever, blame or credit for success or lack of success in avoiding the virus. But some of this is just random luck, and I think you could have done something like, listen, if there's if teams are tied with an equal winning percentage, the team that played more games gets the edge, right? Whatever, something like that. But I don't know that there had to be a hard and fast rule. If you don't play this many games, you're out. And I know what – you know, yes, there's the a cat, catastrophe, thing, catastrophe thing that if everybody's getting whacked, then it's within a range – but maybe you're just a one team like Wisconsin that has a specific bad luck two of yours one of the other guy i think this was overboard with this rule
1: well I, two things number one i understand the analogy you're trying to make with the playoff but one is already set on a subjective standard one is set on an objective standard the, you know advancing to your championship game is supposed to be based on results the cultural playoff is based on the magic of those people in that room. So there's that. The standard is already a little bit different. But I understand the analogy you're trying to make. But number two, I do agree with the other thing you're saying though, and that's kind of the extension of what I was saying before. I don't know why the limit was so high or, or so low. However you want to look at it, like to to, to to only to miss two games that could not be your fault, as we've seen, and then to make you ineligible or there were three, I guess would be the thing. Was what I guess my problem is with it. It'd be one thing if like a team that went. 8 and 0 and a team that went 4 and 0 but that 4 and 0 team missed 4 games cuz of covid how do you compare those maybe the second one shouldn't even be eligible but i think there's a better way to do it like you're saying i think you make it more of a comparison than saying a team is ineligible
2: again we are on the, this would have been a huge story if the game last week goes as expected and on madness we've been talking about Wisconsin as a borderline fourth candidate for the you know a, a candidate for the fourth spot would have been a huge story if you if you really felt like one of the six or seven best teams in the country was now ineligible for its conference championship. Now, the thing is, they're not ineligible to play that weekend. They're still going to play that weekend. Right. They'll play in the two versus two game. They just would be ineligible to play in the championship game, which, by the way, we still know nothing about that weekend. Right. Where are the games? When are the games? We don't know. We have no idea. Right. Is that correct?
1: Not, not that I've
2: heard. So weird. I thought they would have had a plan by now.
1: They may have a plan. They just may not have sprinkled it out there to the likes of us.
2: And I understand part of it's going to be that I think as you go through, once you see what the matchups are, I guess they must be campus games at this point because they haven't announced that they're not campus games. They haven't done the Doug theory of let's play the second place game on Friday night in Indianapolis. That they could have announced by now, I think, if they were going to do that. I don't think they must not be doing that. It must be the championship games in Indy and every other game is going to be a campus game. And so I think they'll probably wait and see what the matchups are to determine who gets the home game. Cause you're going to have some teams here. Oh, Hey, Maryland, you lost a home game. So your matchup's going to be at Maryland or Hey, Wisconsin, you lost games. You're going to get them. You know what I mean? Like I, I would, I would imagine that, but I'd like some clarity on this a little bit. I mean, it's practically here. So that's, that's kind of a big deal that it's happening, but it could have been much more of a big deal. One other thing I wanted to talk about before we got to our picks this week. There are rivalry games being played this weekend. The Iron Bowl is this weekend. Auburn, Alabama is this weekend. The Egg Bowl, Mississippi State Old Miss is this weekend. The Apple Cup, Washington, Washington State was scheduled for this weekend, but has been canceled. The Civil War, I think they changed the name now. Oregon, Oregon State. Is this weekend? Cal Stanford is this weekend. This is the week that that Michigan Ohio State should have been played. And as Tony Tony pointed out on Twitter this week, like it was the anniversary in the middle of this week of the 2017 game where JT Barrett got whacked by a camera in the pregame and hurt his knee, and then had to come out late in the game, and Dwayne Haskins came in. And that kind of gave Dwayne Haskins the leg up on the 2018 competition. And we're having, you know, we're going to have anniversaries of Ohio State, Michigan things this week. We had a lot of discussion in the preseason about when Ohio State, Michigan should be played some rivalries and Auburn, Alabama is the second best one. They kept it on Thanksgiving. They didn't keep it at the end of the year. Now that we're here and now that it's Thanksgiving week and now that we do see games being canceled, Right. It's not an avalanche of games, but there's several every week. Cincinnati Temple this week postponed because of covid tests in both programs. Steven, should they be playing Ohio State, Michigan this week because you'd be getting it in? Other programs are playing their rivalries. It is Thanksgiving. Or did the Big Ten do it right by keeping that at the end of the year and playing it on December 12th?
0: Uh, I think they did it right by keeping it at the end of the year. The only reason you have really for why it should be played this week, because it hasn't always been on Thanksgiving, is just so you can get that game in. And you can make that case for any of the weeks prior since the Big Ten season has started. So, no, I think they did the right thing. Um, You take that chance that the game might get canceled, which is hopefully that doesn't happen. But they did the right thing by keeping the tradition and making it the last game of the year.
1: I I think if you were worried about scheduling it to get it in, you would have put it week one, which is what I had advocated for. Um, is making the most sense it's like that that's what deb definitely gets the game in but if you're not gonna put it week one i would just put it week 12 and hope for the best or week week eight i suppose sorry not week 12.
2: so alabama is playing auburn this week and then alabama is playing arkansas at arkansas the next week and then The December 12th weekend is actually sort of like an off weekend, like a makeup weekend for the SEC because they had more flexibility in their schedule than the Big Ten did. Did Auburn and Alabama do it wrong? The fact that Alabama is going to play Auburn, it's the Iron Bowl, here we go. And then it's like, oh, yeah, we got to go to Arkansas next week. Is that wrong then?
1: Well, I think what the interesting thing is there is that's a model that the Big Ten originally was going to use as far as having that gap week there i think if, if when you do that and you leave that week for for makeup games or whatever which is where for instance State could be playing maryland um, this that in that week for this year um, then i don't know that it matters if you move that if where you put the the rivalry game because there could be a game after it anyway you're you're already putting yourself in a situation where it might not be the last game you know what i'm saying
0: i, I don't think there's a no that that's a no i don't think there's a wrong way to do it this year um, i think you just got to find a way to get, I, I don't, I think it, the, the big 10 was right for keeping that rivalry game with the last week of the year, but I also don't have a problem with Alabama having that rivalry game be the second to the last game of the year, either. Be, given the situation you're in right now, I don't think there's a wrong way to go about this.
2: I do think there's, that is an interesting distinction that Nathan made because for instance, Alabama is going to play that makeup weekend because their game against LSU was postponed. So Alabama actually has two games left because LSU, a couple weeks ago, that game didn't happen. So I do think if you're in a world where you were leaving a weekend sort of at the end of the regular season as a makeup weekend, you were risking that your rivalry game wouldn't be the last week anyway, which is what you're saying, Nathan. So then maybe tie it to the date and you keep some tradition with the date, which is Thanksgiving, rather than the tradition of the end of the year, because you might not get the end of the year. The Big Ten with no flexibility... It's like, okay, well, there's no makeups afterward. If we schedule Ohio State-Michigan for the last game of the year, it's going to be the last game of the regular season unless it's not played. So I do think actually it probably makes sense for both, for instance, the SEC and the Big Ten, given the way they made their schedules, probably both did it right, that they held on the tradition the best way they could and – in the end, it got to give credit. I mean, I don't, I don't think the SEC has handled COVID the best, but I do think the SEC handled the schedule the best. And so we have seen a rash. Listen, we saw four out of seven SEC games a couple weeks ago were postponed. But they, for the most part, were postponed because they have these makeup weekends built in. And on the weekend of December 12th, when Ohio State's playing Michigan, in the last game of the regular season, the SEC is going to be making up a bunch of stuff. And Wisconsin's not going to be making anything up. Ohio State, Maryland's not getting made up. And that's just—I don't think that's a terrible, horrible thing by the Big Ten that it worked out that way. But it is the, the SEC wound up having some nice flexibility there. All right, so everybody watch—everybody uh, watch the Egg Bowl. I wouldn't watch the Egg Bowl. I mean, does, uh, it's called the Egg Bowl. I just can't imagine. I, I just—I don't want to watch. I don't want to watch. I know it's Lane Kiffin and Mike Leach. I don't want to watch it. I, I don't have to watch it, do I?
1: I mean, you have to watch it, don't watch
2: it. I don't want to watch it. I don't want to watch it.
1: I mean, we. when is the last time that the Ohio State-Michigan rivalry has had a moment like a game being decided by a guy doing a touchdown celebration where he mimics a dog peeing on the field?
2: That was awesome. I, I'm old. I don't, I don't like that. I don't like that. Don't <laughs> do that. I don't like dogs. I don't like peeing. I mean, I like – You don't <laughs> like dogs.
1: <laughs> no. don't like, Which of don't... those statements is more controversial? <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. No. Can we put out that you, poll? What, wait, is the fact that one?
0: One, you have a dog, and the other one is for your own
2: health. <laughs> no, I say, and I'm old, so I pee all the time. So I like dogs. I like peeing. I don't, I don't like, like when guy. humans mimic the act of dogs peeing. Is that, no. I, I think I maybe have expressed myself better on that topic at this point. Okay, we'll come back, start with our Big Ten picks next on Buckeye Talk. Back on Buckeye Talk, I do want to talk about one game that I am interested in on Friday. And I think a lot of Ohio State fans are interested in this game. North Carolina, Notre Dame is a Friday game. It is a 3.30 start on ABC. North Carolina, number 19. Notre Dame, number two. I sort of said it in passing, I think, on the podcast last night. That's at North Carolina. It is, I think like a around th- a round of field goal game. That just feels like the four kind now. of thing that, that is four and a half right now. Okay. That mm-hmm. could muck things up. Steven, how interesting do you think that game is? And how realistic is it that Notre Dame could lose?
0: Um, I think it's pretty realistic. Sam Howes, as we talked about on the Wednesday podcast, he's, a, he's probably number six on that list, but he's going to finish in the top 10 of the Heisman Heisman voting when it's all said and done. So North Carolina's lost some games, but that's still a quality team. And he's he's the best quarterback in that game, even if Notre Dame is the best team. And sometimes if you have the better quarterback, you can pull off an upset.
2: And he's the best quarterback that Notre Dame has faced because they have not faced Trevor Lawrence. And that is not a shot at DJ Uyungalale, but that guy's a freshman. You're taking DJ Uyungalale over Sam Howell, the guy that like you touted him for the Heisman? No, no, he's... <laughs> I think
0: no, that's it. that's our argument over semantics. One, the more talented one versus who's the better one right now. That's a different conversation for another day. That we don't need to get into right now.
2: Yeah, a vet, a guy who's played like twenty college yeah. games instead of two. I would take. So yeah, yeah. So I I think Sam Howell will be able to do some things, and the, the DJ played great, obviously against mm-hmm. Notre Dame. But I just think Notre Dame's going to get tested there. Nathan, do you agree that that that's? that at least has a chance to get sideways for the fighting Irish?
1: Definitely. Because North Carolina is just putting up uh, tons and tons and tons of points right now. And now sometimes they have to, I mean, they had a game against wake forest that they won like 57 53 or something like that. Like they're a team that has to score a lot of points because they don't defend especially well. But I, again, I kind of agree with Steven that when you've got a team that's at prolific, sometimes that can be the, the foundation of how these upsets get sprung. I mean, let's just look at Indiana a team that could just could, could, could wing it around. and, And that, um, helps you close gaps in the second half where it gives you it just kind of always has you within arm's length that you can put up those kind of points. But I, I do think though that, that Notre Dame's defense has been pretty tough and um, that's been pretty consistent all season, even early in the year where they weren't scoring a lot of points they're winning because of their defense. So that's, it makes me think that they, they might be able to hold off this upset bid but the the person who likes chaos in me is kind of rooting for an upset just because of what it means for the playoff and kind of you know throwing a wrench in this thing that seems to be setting up maybe as as being in 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 concrete unless somebody gets upset
0: and to that point the last two weeks they've played quality quarterbacks they've given up 40 points and 31 points
1: Notre Dame
2: has
0: yep and before that they were 13 three seven shut out 13 uh, who were the quality quarterbacks
1: well but uh, the 40 points they gave up was to clemson in double overtime yeah. in a game where they scored 47 so again that almost a uh, game that example almost makes me think again that they'd be able to handle n- north carolina
0: and then they boston College's quarterback i forget his name but he's a notre dame transfer
1: phil jenkovich yeah yeah former top
2: 100 guy i saw that guy at a elite 11 camp at a time when we thought he might be in the mix for ohio state and then he like went to notre dame the next day okay Let's talk about betting lines and this reference. We don't have them on with us this, this week because of Thanksgiving, but our friend Tyler Shoemaker, the officially unofficial official bookmaker of Buckeye talk. And in passing, I referenced the idea that, Hey, you know, T-Shoe really liked, uh, you know, thought the betting the line should have been larger for Ohio state versus Indiana. He thought the line should have been larger for Wisconsin against Northwestern and in both games, the underdog was the, the the pick in that, in those games, Indiana to cover and Northwestern has only a seven point underdog, one outright. And I didn't, I didn't mean anything by it. I, I like T-Shoe. T-Shoe's given us like good content for free. He's been a loyal tech subscriber and a loyal Buckeye Talk listener. So I did not mean anything by it, but I also respect the fact that Tyler Shoemaker came back hard on Twitter, calling me out, for throwing any even accidental sort of didn't really mean it shade. So we had a little exchange with Tyler Shoemaker. And I think we just want to back up the fact that our officially unofficial official bookmaker of Buckeye talk is pretty darn good. What happened with T. Shoe on Twitter this week, Nathan?
1: So he informed us that his record since 2019 is uh, he's won 63% of his games, 163, 97 and four. Uh, which is crazy to pick that many games and only have four pushes. Um and then in 2020 so far 61%, 97 and 63 and even last week still 55%. Um, which as he points out points out is kind of what professional bettors are aspiring to like maybe if you can get to that 55 to 60% range then you're in pretty good shape. So yeah, he had he he was able to back up, you know, we were just joking around being like who's you know, we're we're we're, go- <laughs> we're we're believing what this guy is telling us like what credentials does he have? Well, here's some credentials. Though again, now he has to show us the math. He has to show us like the week by week results of how you come up with these numbers, right? To prove it. He could just be making these numbers up too.
2: No, he says he tweets his picks every week. He says that's the receipts are out say. there on Twitter. So I believe Tishu. And also, it is one of those things. It's like, hey, Mr. Gambler Guy, how come you don't get every game right? And it's like, what are you talking about? People lose their houses doing this thing. So, like, being 55, 60% successful is like unbelievably good. So, did not mean anything by it, Tissue. Respect the work. Appreciate what you do for Buckeye Talk. Not on this week. We certainly will have him on in the next couple of weeks, especially when we get to that Ohio State-Michigan game when they actually are going to play it on December 12th. So let's talk about some of the non-Ohio State games. I always say, yeah, let's do the Ohio State pick first and get it out of the way. We don't want to tease people. We're doing it last this week. So let's go through the other Big Ten games. I got them written down and see who's picking what. The Friday game is Nebraska at Iowa. That started off. As a 12-point line, Iowa favored by 12. It now has moved to 13 and a half. Nebraska laid an egg last week as a du- more than two-touchdown favorite lost to Illinois. Anybody taking the Hawkeyes or the Cornhuskers in this one?
1: I am taking the Hawkeyes. There were a couple games that I was really on the fence about, and this is the one that I decided to take, mostly just because they're playing really well right now, and they're doing it by putting up a lot of points. It's not like they're just like scraping by uh, in defensive struggles. I mean, they put up 41 uh, against Penn State last week. Um, they're able to – so that makes me think that they could score enough that a a 14-point a spread is not too large to expect for them. But they're, they're playing really well. Nebraska's,
2: pretty Nebraska's bad. Bad.
1: Yeah. Nebraska yeah. is pretty not. Yeah. Nebraska
2: is pretty stinking. bad. more of that. Steve, yeah. Did you think of this one at all, Stephen?
0: I did. That's why I took Iowa as well. It's more because Nebraska is not good at all. Um, I just, if Iowa scores 21 points or 24 points, that might be enough to, to satisfy this, this line. So yeah, I also took this one.
2: It's weird. There's a lot of big numbers this week and in, in like a weird conference. I think uh, looking at this every game and the Wisconsin Minnesota line was 21 before it was canceled. That was Wisconsin by 21. Yeah. Every game this week is at least 12 except Penn state, Michigan. And so we'll go to that next it's Penn state at Michigan. It started off as Michigan minus four it's now Michigan minus two is anybody taking this game
0: stay as far away as possible from this one the, this line would make sense even if they had no if this was a normal situation where Penn State and Michigan were as good as we thought they were going to be so I, either way I wouldn't have taken this I don't know what to make of any of these either one of these teams I'm I stayed away from this
2: Nathan we talked about this a little bit you're also staying away.
1: I'm, I'm So I, I, this is one of the games that I was on the fence on. And I think I'm going to stay away. But I really thought about taking Penn State.
2: All right. I'm going to take Michigan. Because sort of what we talked about earlier, is it possible Penn State is Penn State. I don't know what's going to change Penn State. Did Michigan find something in the second half with Cade McNamara? And couldn't they win by a touchdown? Can Michigan beat this? be draggled Penn state team by a touchdown. And can Michigan maybe show that there's a little more life to their season than there is to the Penn state season. I think that's possible. So I, I don't think either are particularly good. It just feels like the air has been even, I mean, I can't believe it's like you're basing it on oh, all that, that thrilling double overtime or tri- triple overtime win at Rutgers turned around Michigan season. I don't think it actually turned around Michigan season, but I think they might have a little more juice Penn state. I don't, I don't know what happened. It feels like a lost year. And if you're a Penn state guy and you thought you were going to be really good, frankly, it's almost also like the Michigan players are a little bit more accustomed to disappointment. Penn state has just been like really good for the most part, the last couple of years. And like last year, it's just one of the most amazing stats you'll ever find. Penn state started eight and O last year. They're O and five this year. That is amazing. And I just would find it hard for those Penn State guys to sort of like, okay, can you get up to get your first win? It's like, what? what? I just feel like maybe they'll be more dead. So I will take Michigan giving only two at this point. So if Michigan wins by a field goal, they got it. So I feel actually pretty decent about that. Let's go to Maryland at Indiana. That started off as Indiana favored by 15. It's now down to 12. I feel like there is some bounce back potential. I mean, like that, like not bounce back necessarily, but Maryland hasn't played in two weeks. Are they going to be rusty or rested? And Indiana just like played really well against Ohio state, but didn't get what they wanted. So I don't know. Will there'll be a letdown for Indiana off a game like off Ohio state, or will they be like motivated? Like, Hey, last week we were close. Let's keep showing people who we are. We're number 12 in the first playoff ranking. Steven. Are you getting near this Indiana-Maryland game?
0: I didn't, and the reason why is Maryland can put up some points, just like Indiana showed last week, that they can put up some points, and so I think this might end up being a shootout. And so that line, what, 12-and-a-half, is just too
2: high. That makes sense to me. Nathan, you touching this?
1: Uh, I am taking the Hoosiers. Uh, I, I After what we saw from them last week, I, I think that they can cause Maryland enough problems. I mean, Maryland has put up some points, but, I mean, they're putting it up against teams that aren't doing what Indiana's doing. So I don't think, I don't think 12 is too much for that. Um, a game in Bloomington. I, I think this is the Hoosiers game. I think they can win this by t- two touchdowns.
2: That means Nathan Baird has used up his two non-Ohio state picks before we got to the game that I was sure you were going to take this week. I think you might be pulling back on one of these picks. Once we talk mm-hmm. about this game, Rutgers at Purdue started off Purdue favored by 13. It's down to Purdue favored by 12. Talk about a team with the burn its saddle. It's like okay, Purdue, you let the refs kind of take that last one away from you. This feels like again, Rondale Moore is back, David Bell is good, Rutgers is I think doing it a little bit with smoke and mirrors. The offense that Purdue's going to put on the field is a better offense than that Michigan offense, right? I mean, I don't know, n- nobody would dispute that now, and I know why Nathan didn't pick it because George Karloftis has COVID the best Purdue defensive player is out for this game, but I still feel like this is one of those games where Rutgers is still Rutgers as all the credit in the world for the way Greg Ciano has those guys playing this year from a talent level. They still don't have guys anywhere close to Rondale Moore and David Bell. I feel like this is a Jeff Brom uses the way last week's game ended to motivate these dudes. I'm taking Purdue minus 12 in this one home against Rutgers. Steven, you taking that too?
0: I did not because one I've already used in one of my picks and I thought about going, using one of them for this, but it's because there is an easier game that's still on the list to come.
2: That's my decision. Nathan, did you not pick this because Karloftis is out?
1: That, that was a factor. And then also just from watching Purdue last week without Karloftis, I have big questions about this defense. Even with him last week, um, Minnesota was able to, to move the ball a lot, score a lot of points. Um, I know Rutgers is Rutgers is challenged in that regard, but, um, we've also seen that they've been able to be creative and, and throw some things at teams that they're maybe not expecting. So I just, I'm, I'm just a little bit unwary about where Purdue sits right now. I know that's odd. Cause I've been picking them, including, I think I even picked them one week when they had some other guys out, but, um, Rutgers has some fight and on a, on a weird week like this, I don't discount that they could come in and at least keep it close.
2: All right, so that leaves only one other game to pick other than the Buckeyes, so we know Stephen Means is picking this, and I am not, and I'll explain why I'm not. It's Northwestern at Michigan State. Northwestern started off favored by nine. Northwestern now favored by 13.5, so that line has moved a lot. This is the number eight team in the college football playoff rankings. Stephen Means, you're taking this game. Which side are you on?
0: Northwestern Michigan State scored seven points in their last eight quarters and they've got a rough stretch here with Indiana and Northwestern this week and Ohio State the following week that's that's kind of rough but Michigan State is just incompetent and I think this is Northwestern doesn't put up a crazy amount of points but Michigan State doesn't put up any points against top 10 teams as, we, as we've already seen so I expect more of that this week
2: who would have thought looking at a C se- a schedule before the season you're like oh man That Indiana, Northwestern, Ohio State stretch, that's going to kill us. The reason that I stayed away from this is because if I had picked this game, I would have taken the other side. This, to me, is a little bit sort of classic Northwestern or teams that often don't have expectations. And I feel like Northwestern, when they don't have expectations, they do well. Now, all of a sudden, they have a pathway, a clear path to the Big Ten championship game. They're in the top. 10 in the college football playoff rankings they are like respected and to now like go to michigan state and win like 20 to 17 feels exactly right to me i don't think northwestern will lose this game michigan state is weird i took michigan state getting two touchdowns earlier this year against iowa and they lost by 45 it wasn't even a game so i think steven you very well may be right here, but just given sort of the sometimes a program like Northwestern, once you put some stuff on them, then it's like, oh, wait, like we're good now where last week, you know, they're an underdog. Nobody thought they were going to beat Wisconsin and they play great. Now I think they might be coming down the other side of the mat a little bit. I I think if I were picking a score for this game, I think I would pick something like 20 to 14, 21, 17. Covering almost two touchdowns for, as you said, Stephen, Michigan State's offense is horrible. I think if Michigan State scores 14, they might start getting in the range of like, is is it tough for Northwestern to cover this number? So I stayed away and I'll be very curious to see how it plays out. If Northwestern comes out and wins this game like 31 to nothing, man, that is like another level of, they deserve a lot of respect right now for beating Wisconsin. But if they follow that up with kind of, a dominating game, even though the opponent's terrible. If they come out and dominate, that's really going to show me something. I'm just not sure they're going to do it.
0: You also gotta remember Michigan State didn't play last week. So they might have the rust arrest theory. And when you're already not talented, I think you slide more on the rust side of that than rest.
2: Mel Tucker, baby. Mel Tucker had an extra seven days to motivate. Although he's motivating Rocky Lombardi and the rest of the crew over there. So, yeah, I mean, you you very well may be right. You very well may be right. So I'm not going against it. I decided I almost was going to pick it, but I feel better about Purdue and I feel better about uh, Michigan. So I, I stayed away from it. All right. Last quick break. We'll come back with our picks for Ohio State versus Illinois. You're listening to the Friday picks and preview pod on Buckeye Talk. Back on Buckeye Talk, Ohio State opened as a 30 point favorite down to 28 and a half. Is that the line we agree on? That's what I looked at right before so we got on the pot here. Yep. 28 and a half. Ohio State has dominated this rivalry recently. These teams haven't played since 2017. The last 5 years. Basically your Urban Meyer era. Urban took it. Urban took it to Illinois. Won by 38, 25, 39, 25 and 30. So those are big numbers. If you're looking for a can Ohio State cover this 28 and a half, they would have covered the 28 and a half, three of the last five times. The lowest margin of victory is 25. I'll still remember the year, the, the last year of 2011, when they went to Illinois and the wind was blowing and it was like practically impossible to complete a pass. And Ohio State won 17 to seven, one of the weirdest games you'll ever watch in your life. So it feels like Illinois has got some troubles here. And it feels like this might be a game for Ohio State, especially the way the playoff rankings went to sort of show everybody who they are. Nathan, we'll start with you. What's your pick in this game?
1: So I had to make my pick kind of early this week unless I wanted to have like multiple picks out there. But um, I, because Illinois, uh, the News Gazette asked me to, to do a, a thing that beat writers do for each other sometimes, and local so I had boy to put my name get on it,
2: Baird in the paper. Look <laughs> at that, <Nathan laughs> former
1: Baird. Salt Fork Storm third baseman Nathan Baird. So I went fifty-one uh, thirteen Ohio State. I actually think that it, it. The only reason I don't think I'm picking a score that low for Ohio State, although that doesn't seem like that low. I guess I feel like you know Illinois can move the ball on the ground. I feel like that maybe it just. They can keep the ball away from Ohio State a couple of possessions more than they normally would. But in general, I feel like this is a game where Ohio State comes out and, and really puts it to them. Because I feel like they feel like, you know, for any number of reasons, I feel like this is sort of a statement week for Ohio State a little bit. They need to kind of get their mojo back. I think it comes at the expense of the Illini. All
2: right. So you're pretty confident giving up the 28 and a half here. Yeah. Steven? 60 to
0: 17. I think Illinois might score Say some Say it again.
2: Points. You, you blipped out a little again. I'll cut this. Just right okay. when you started, it blipped out. We couldn't hear the first number. Go yeah, ahead and start, start again.
0: Sixty to seventeen. Ohio State wins. I think Illinois will put some points up on the board because, as we've seen with Ohio State's defense, they have they're tend to give up some big plays that Illinois might be able to take advantage of it sometimes. But also, yeah, I think Justin Fields especially has a point to prove this week. I think he spent his entire week listening to everybody call him mortal after being godlike almost the first couple of weeks of the seasons. And I think he wants to kind of prove a point and put himself back at that number one spot in the Heisman race. And he doesn't have to force it to do it because he's not playing
2: a team like Indiana. I know what that's like. People think you're a God. And then all of a sudden they think you're mortal. It is really hard. It is really hard to deal with. I've, I've gone through it many times in my professional and personal life. I have a hard time imagining Ohio state not covering this because even, so I have fifty six twenty one, which is allowing for some defensive goof ups. Cause I'm sort of expecting some degree of experimentation, possibly with some of this stuff, right? I'm expecting some, Hey, well, we tried this guy. Went, okay. Maybe it's better, but maybe it was bumpy on the way to better. And that's still a 35 point win. You know, like I, it just I don't know. It would be hard for me to re- believe that this is going to be like forty nine, twenty eight or something, you know, that like, oh, they just or whatever. So it's dangerous. Please don't listen to us. Please. don't. I mean, I'm really, I don't. What can we say? But I also think Ryan Day is probably emphasizing this whole when we get a lead, let's not give it all back kind of thing, whether it was the Rutgers way or whether it was the Indiana way, because they're losing some ground with the committee which again is an important thing that it's just, it changes college football a little bit that there used to be the era. I mean, it was the era for the most of history of, I mean, it's the way that it is in the NFL and has been most of the time in college football As we won. Didn't we, we won. You just say we won. It's like, well, yeah, but not honestly anymore. Not every win is created equal. How good did you look? Did you play for 60 minutes? How good was your opponent? That all matters because as objective as this sport, it is at the highest level. It is now also subjective. As Nathan said at the start, You know, it's not only an an objective thing. So they've got to win this week, but they've also got to look good. So I think they will look good. And it just feels like Illinois is in the wrong spot in the schedule for this, right? That it's almost one of those, if if Ohio state was coming off a, a 63 to 14 win over Indiana, then maybe you'd think about, Oh, do you take the points with Illinois because Ohio state's flying high and they're full of themselves and they think they're perfect. But Coming off the way last week went, like, sounds weird. Only four scores, only four scores almost seems low to me. And I'm, I'm a little surprised, Nathan, that, that this line has moved the way it's moved. That it started at 30 and it's down to 28 and a half. If you told me this, had started at 30 and moved to 34, I wouldn't have been surprised by that.
1: I think there may be some respect out there for Illinois. The fact they've won two games in a row, um, they, you know, they do run the ball well. The thing is, like, that's actually the one thing though that Ohio State's defense has done. I think consistently well. It wasn't just the Indiana game. Go back and look at the Penn State game. I think they held them to forty-four yards on the ground. It, they've been a really good pass or good run defense. And I think the difference between Illinois and Indiana. Well, there's a lot of differences, but one of the big differences is I think once you make Illinois one-dimensional, you don't have Michael Penix back there firing off his cannon you've got brandon peters back there and i think that plays into more into uh ohio state's hands you can't beat ohio state with mediocre quarterbacks you just you can't
2: and it's it's going to be very interesting to see what this pass rush and we spent a lot of time on it on the big wednesday pod what this ohio state pass rush looks like when they're rushing a quarterback that's not michael Penix. that's not a guy with ice in his veins and a big arm who puts balls on guys hands, you know, they, they, this might be one of those games where like Ohio state gets home like seven times. And it's like, Oh yeah. remember everybody was talking about, how's their pass rush. Is it good or not? It's like, Oh yeah. Oh, cool. Jonathan Cooper had two and a half sacks and Tyreek Smith had two sacks and Tommy Tokihai high had two sacks. You know, I think, I think that's out there too. So, all right, we all got Ohio state given the points. So again, stay away. Just enjoy the game as a fan. We'll see what happens. Notre Dame. I, if you're an Ohio state fan, three thirty Friday, I'd watch that. That has some effect on Ohio State. Just make things that, you know, you know, when you're when your team's in the playoff hunt, you want to root for like everybody else in the hunt to lose. So this is an interesting game for Notre Dame. It's not the end of the world for Ohio State if Notre Dame keeps winning, but it would open up some doors and some maneuverability potentially if Notre Dame would lose. So we'll be having a post-game podcast after the game. Saturday, noon kickoff in Champaign. Is the stadium, Nathan, as an, a native of the state, is the stadium technically... In Champaign or Urbana, it's in, in Champaign, right?
1: I believe technically it is in Champaign, but it's it's very much a, a to me. I like it, it, when having lived in West Lafayette, West Coast yet There's a river down the middle. It's very divided. Champaign Urbana to me is just it, it. There's no border. It's just a big mess of 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 corn and and folks.
2: What what was it like? Was there a great I mean, the the divide of the river, people come down to the river in in Lafayette, between Lafayette and West Lafayette, and like shout things at each other.
1: Yeah, just shake their fists at the other side. Yeah. Uh, No, it's funny. If you're from there, it's like a big deal, like which side of the river you're on. Like, I don't go across the river. I don't go into Lafayette with the or whatever. And but if you're not from there, you didn't care.
2: Interesting, which means that no one listening to this cares. If someone listen, if someone, (laughs) if these (laughs) words are hitting your ears, and you grew up in lafayette or west lafayette and you have an opinion on the battle over the river uh please let us know other than that that was a wasted 40 se- seconds of your life come back we'll catch you on the postgame pod hope everybody had a great thanksgiving for nathan and steven i'm doug and that was buckeye talk